the past few weeks have been leading up into this very moment. Spiritual death. And that something is relationships. And I can share with you, relationships are tough. I do not stand up here as a perfect testimony of how to do relationships. This has been something that God has been working on in my heart, in my life, and it's been a growing burden, a growing sense of I've really got to be better at relationships, better at connecting. And I have made a lot of mistakes along the way. I've found out even this week, I've made a lot of mistakes in relationships along the way. I do not stand up here as a perfect testimony, but I, my prayer leading up throughout this series, leading up before this year and this week, leading up to this very message, I have been praying for God to help me lead the way in it, to start with me, to begin with me and how I do relationships. So that hopefully by my life's transformation and by my conviction, my passion to be in relationships with others, I can bring others alongside me in that journey. Because relationships are key. So, how do we share our lives with people? Well, I'm glad you asked. We began this conversation last week. We're continuing it today. The first thing that we can do is we prioritize people. We prioritize people because Jesus prioritized people because people matter. It's about a relationship with people. It's not about an end game. It's not about an agenda that we have. It's about experiencing a growing relationship with others because they matter. Not engaging in a relationship long enough to get what you want or you need out of it, or long enough to share the gospel of Jesus and then give up and walk away from them when you experience some pushback or maybe something where they're not quite ready to jump in and walk with you in that relationship with Jesus yet. It's about a relationship. It's about walking with people and journeying with them in this life. Philippians 2.3 says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Value others above yourselves. See, sharing our lives isn't, uh, is about putting others ahead of ourselves. It's about prioritizing people. It's about valuing the people that God created. It is about seeing people through his eyes and walking with them through the ups and downs of life. It's about patience. It's about the journey. Um, Pastor John and I, when we first moved down here, I had uh, been introduced to a book and a concept called Turquoise Table. And it was about a woman who wanted to place herself in a position to engage with her neighbors in her community. And so she placed a picnic table outside underneath their magnolia tree. And I went, oh, wow, what a fantastic idea. Because a lot of times we go inside our house when we get home and we hide in there. We go in our fenced-in backyards and we never engage with our neighbors. We never place ourselves in a position. At least I hadn't really done a good job at that. And so placing yourselves in a position to 
prioritize people in your neighborhood. And so we thought, you know, let's do this. And so Mike and Floyd helped us go to Lowe's and pick up this picnic table, and we brought it to our home. We set it up, and we painted it, and we posted um, some pictures about it, and I started getting these wonderful questions. I started getting these questions like, oh, are you going to do a Bible study there? Great question. Great idea. Are you going to put Bibles or tracts out on it? A great question. Great idea. And I went, no. <laughs> it's not for that. It's to create a place where it shows, hey, we're engaging in the front yard. We're a safe place where people could come and chat with us, have a meal with us. Um, 2020 kind of screwed up initial visions for this table, I got to say. It was not, it didn't really come into what we thought it was going to be, but we changed. God helped us to use it in different ways. We got surplus of food, and we started putting it on our table and offering it to others. We started going around and putting out flyers saying, hey, we've created a community Facebook page for you to join and connect with one another and help one another out. We started having part outside parties at our house where people could come and watch an outdoor movie. And sometimes people would, we've had a person come and meet us there for prayer. We've had a person that's that come and just sits and talks with us as we eat. We have people that come and walk their dogs down the street and they go, you know, I'm kind of tired. I could use a rest. And they sit at our table and we get to meet them. We've met so many neighbors by putting up a picnic table outside because we wanted to prioritize people first. We wanted to prioritize putting ourselves in a position to meet people, to engage with people, to start building a relationship with people. Now, I want to add a little side note, okay? Because those questions were good questions. And relationship building, prioritizing people, you want to get to know the person. But when God leads you, when the Holy Spirit opens up the door for conversation to talk about him, when you're talking naturally about him, that's great. If he said, Pastor Christia, well, he calls me by Christia or dear daughter or whatever, but Christia, tomorrow morning put out tracts, put out Bibles at your table, guess what? I would do it. Absolutely, hands down. Whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do when you're prioritizing people, do it. Because we are supposed to delight in sharing the gospel with others. We are called on the Great Commission to go and make disciples. So absolutely share Christ as he leads. But be careful not to push too hard or too fast and to go as the Spirit guides. Prioritize people over agenda or that spiritual knot on your notch on your belt, so to speak. How do we share our lives with people? Well, we would prioritize people and we practice. We practice at relationships. Have you ever doubted or been frustrated by the phrase, practice makes perfect? Right? All the time, practice makes perfect, practice makes perfect. Yeah, we rarely have, we're honest, we rarely have that perfect moment. We're always our own worst critics, right? We're never perfect enough. We buckle under pressure. Our environments influence us. The people that surround us can, one word can trigger something and boom, we've made, made a mistake. And mistakes just happen. It's because we are human. We 
aren't perfect. Practice can't make perfect. But I would like to change that phrase this morning. Whenever you hear practice makes perfect, scratch that, okay? Practicing leads to improving. Practicing leads to improving. You will make mistakes along the way in whatever it is that you're trying to do, including relationships, but you will always, even the most shy, introverted person here, you will always improve in some way if you practice. Practicing relationship basics can lead to improvements in our relationships. Before we dive into what some relationship basics are that you can practice, you might have a few questions. I anticipated, maybe God anticipated these questions that you might have. Why? Why do I need to practice at relationships? Well, sometimes I think it's because of this. Sometimes if we're honest, I've had these moments too, we would rather stay at home in our PJs and messed up hair and our comfy blanket, curl up with a good book, and b- or binge on Netflix all day, drinking our coffee and our cookies and being comfortable. And let me tell you, I am an advocate for rest. We need rest. We need Sabbath. That is good. But if you're using it as an excuse to avoid people and not engage in relationships and you're doing that all the time, I don't know. Sometimes we feel like coming right into service right as it begins and then checking out, ducking out as quickly as we can afterwards. Now, sometimes there's things we have to do, totally understand that, but sometimes, you know, we just kind of want to go, step in, step out, and leave. We've all been there, I think, so you can give yourself some grace. We've all been there, but we can't use this as an excuse Let's check out what Matthew 7:12 says. So in everything in our relationships, do to others what you would have them do to you. <laughs> For this sums up the law and the prophets, which bears the following questions. Would you want others to make the decision to close you out? to be lazy, to not make an effort to get to know you, to meet you, to share their life with you? Would you want them to do the same thing? We need each other. We're created to be with each other. If we shut someone out of our life, we too will be shut out as a result. Is that what we really want or need? Is that really what we were created to be? Is that really our purpose? If you've been following along, probably you know the answer. It's no. Shutting out others is the complete opposite of what we were created for. So we need to practice, even when we don't feel like it. Maybe you're thinking, but I don't need to practice, Pastor Christia. I already have a group that I'm comfortable with and I share my life with. I am just peachy keen. Well, first, I'd want to share with you that that is awesome. 
We celebrate, truly celebrate the relationships that you have with one another. In this church, outside of this church, we want to celebrate and champion your relationships. So that is awesome. We want you to continue meeting with those people. We want you to continue going deeper in your relationships with those people. And we celebrate that. Continue sharing your lives with others. But I also want to give a word of caution. Be careful. Be careful to not be closed off, grow too comfortable with, or give in to the temptation of being an exclusive group. Instead, be open and willing and purposeful to invite others into the mix. Because the Lord may be asking you to pursue potential new relationships Be careful to not cut yourself off from the new and growing relationships that the Lord may be asking you to pursue. As a church, we are always learning, always growing. We always need new. New feeds us, new inspires us, new challenges us. New relationships help us grow personally in our koinonia with God and with others and as a church family. Pastor Christy, I'm getting older, or I've been practicing at relationships for a while. Does the practicing ever end? (laughs) No. Sorry. Not until every person our lives touch knows about Jesus and has a chance to respond, not until every person is in koinonia with God and others can we stop practicing. And I don't know if you've checked statistics or checked the world out there, but there's a whole lot of people that our lives can touch that need to know about Jesus. It is our collective the whole Big C Church, but our church as well, and unified, supposed to be delight as the body of Christ to do this. Not just its senior leadership, not just the board, not those that just help in the food pantry, not just those that serve in all these different areas with the kids and the teens and the thrift store and, and missions. It is all of us together sharing our lives with people all the believers together. There's good news. Like I said, practicing leads to improving. The more you practice, the easier relationships will get. You'll still make mistakes, but they will get easier. God will help you develop and improve your relationship skills, and he will bless your relationships and you in the process. So yes, we should practice. What should we practice? I'm glad you asked again. We have already discussed a couple in the prior, um, last week. We discussed about the practice of welcoming in people into your personal space. Kind of that front yard living kind of concept if you're going to meet your neighbors. Putting yourself in a position where you're welcoming people into your personal space, into your homes. They gathered and met in their homes regularly. Then we talked about welcoming people into your personal life, being vulnerable sharing your lives with people. Let's add a few more things today, just a couple. We're going to take it all the way back to the very, very basics. Are you ready for this? It's very heavy stuff. It's very scientific. It's really tough. Ready? 
get a name, and talk. I'm talking very basics when you're starting a relationship. Get a name and talk. Sounds easy, but it's kind of tough for some of us, isn't it? I want us to do something. It might be a little bit uncomfortable. But God isn't about comfort. Look around this room right now. Look at people in this room. Turn around. We see people moving, looking behind, looking to the sides, make eye connection, all that good stuff. I'm, I don't know. I don't see everyone doing it yet. I'm waiting. Uh, okay, we're almost there. All right. Is there somebody in this room whose name you do not know? Now, those of us who have just recently joined us, they're guests with us, they've only been here a week or two, you get a pass, okay? You get a solid pass on this, okay? <laughs> but is there somebody in this room whose name you do not know? Have they been here for a while? Have you ever asked them what their name was? Or have you asked them and you've since forgotten and now you're terrified to ask again? When is the last time you had a conversation with somebody that you didn't already know in this very room today? We are the church. We need to practice the basics. I was told the story of a lady, an older lady named Alice, that was in my home church recently, and I love this story. She was an older lady, very traditional in dress and thought, and wonderful person, and um, she was a greeter in the church. And I was told that there was this young man that came in that was very much the polar opposite, very casual, young, um, just not very traditional at all. And, and this lady, Alice, approached this young man, said, hi, I'm Alice, what's your name? And he shared, and they met each other. And the very next week, she repeated the same process. Hi, I'm Alice, what's your name? He told her, and, and then the next week, hi, I'm Alice, what's your name? Well, this went on and on. And uh, my home church pastor, Pastor John, you, some of you have met him when he's come to share with us a couple times last year. Um, <laughs> he went up to uh, this young man and said, you know, what, what do you think about Alice? I hear that she's been asking you what your name is, and she keeps forgetting. You know, what do you think about Alice? And the young man said, yeah, six weeks, you know, she came up to me and she didn't remember my name. Hi, I'm Alice, what's your name? And Pastor John said, well, what do you think of Alice? And he said, I would rather be a part of a church that's willing to embarrass themselves in order to get to know me than to go anywhere else. I would rather go to a church where somebody was willing to embarrass themselves for the purpose of getting to know me than go anywhere else. You see, Alice got it. She got it. She saw a man, a young man that was completely opposite of her, but her heart went out to him. Her heart said, I need to connect with him, and I don't care that I forgot him once, twice, three, six times. 
I'm still going to go up to that same man and work on building a relationship with them. I'm going to work at it. I'm going to work at trying to get their name because that person matters to me. It was a heart thing that Alice got. I love that story. We can learn a lot from Alice. But Pastor Christine, my hands get clammy. My mouth goes dry. My tongue starts to swell, and I can't really talk when I go up to a new person. I don't know if you understood that. My tongue starts to swell, and I freeze up when I go talk to a new person. Because I just don't know what to say past, hi, what's your name? And then they tell me their name, and then I'm like, <gasps> what do I say now? I have no idea. And you kind of do that awkward tiptoe, well, hey, nice to meet you. And you skedaddle out of there. Okay. I've been there too, even as a sanguine. My mind freezes up and I go, what do I say now? I told you I'm not perfect at it. <laughs> Be willing to embarrass yourself, one, is what I would say. But also, I'm glad that God brought across, brought a tool to Pastor John and I at District Conference a couple of years ago. Dennis Jackson, the director of Global Partners for the Wesleyan Church, was there. And he shared an amazing uh, message about building relationships. And one of the things he gave us was a tool, a practical tool for those of us that go, Hey, what's your name? Uh, what do I say now? Because we've all been there. And ever since he's given us this tool, Pastor John, my husband, who is more introverted, and I, myself, who's more sanguine, this tool has helped both of us out greatly. Do we remember it 100% of the time when we're meeting someone new? No. But it has helped us greatly. And I want to give you this gift of this tool this morning. And so in your bulletin, you'll see a gap. I tried to make it as big as I could. It's not a real big gap. But I am going to go through this tool. And again, it's a picture. We're going to build a picture that will help you hopefully cement some questions that you can ask, practically speaking, when you are meeting a new person or maybe you've met the person in the room and you've forgotten and you want to go back and get to know them and maybe, maybe you need to seek forgiveness from the Lord and go to that person and say, you know, I'm sorry, I've never met you today after service, but, you know, what's your name? And then we can move on from that to these questions. Are you ready? Are you ready to get an awesome tool this morning that will help you in a practical way? All right. It is called the nameplate tool. You don't, have to write, you don't have to draw everything now. If you're a stick person drawer like I am, you can draw a stick, people. It doesn't have to be fancy. But if you want to draw it, or you can take a picture of the following slides with your phone. Um, I'll give you permission to do that. I know you won't be taking pictures of me, but the slides. And we're going to take it step by step. When you meet a person for the first time, picture a person sitting at a desk at their home. And if you are familiar with uh, corporate or business, there's usually a nameplate on that desk. You see someone you don't know, someone you've forgotten their name, there's that nameplate. It's just as nameplate. It's just blank. You ask simply, hey, Hi, what's your name? Okay, we all know. I think we're all good there, all right? So draw a person or however you want to do that. Take a picture of that slide. And following that, usually you picture a person inside their home. You kind of want to know about where they live. So the next thing is, is you, you picture them inside this house, this house that's over them sitting at their desk. And then the next thing you ask is, hey, where do you live? 
Now, they might tell you, oh, I live in Largo. I live in Seminole. Oh, I'm here snowboarding. I'm, I'm just here vacationing. I'm just here on a work trip. Um, any kind of scenario, but where do you live? Um, they might tell you kind of their living situation. Oh, I rent or I own a home. You know, they might, it, depending on the person, they might share a little bit more. That's the next question. Then on top of this house, we're kind of going a little bit deeper with family. Tell me about your family is a phrase we use. Because if you say, hey, are you married? That could be a painful question depending on what's going on in their life. You can say, oh, do you have kids? That too might be a painful question depending on what's going on in our life. But tell me about your family is it more of a, a statement that opens a door? They can say, hey, I live with my sister. We, we share an apartment together. Or, hey, you know, I'm a caregiver to, to my grandfather and, or my grandmother or whatever, or to my mom. And we sh live together and we go through this. Or, yeah, hey, I have two kids and we're running all over, this, all over the place with sports and this. You never know what somebody's going to share. But this is a blanket kind of statement question that opens the door for them to share about their family. And it may even be about their family that they don't live with. You just never know. The next thing is you picture the family on top of the roof and then, and then tell us a little bit more about yourself. What do you do with your time? So we start with what's your name? Where do you live? Tell me about your family and what do you do with your time? Now, this opens the door for all sorts of things. Um, you don't say, hey, where do you work? Because they might be retired. You don't say, hey, what do you, you know, you, you don't ask pointed questions. But if you say, what do you do with your time? That leaves the door open for, hey, I love to travel. Hey, I work from home. Oh, I work for this company. Or, hey, I just recently retired and I enjoy gardening. I like to read. I like to go to church. Like you, it opens the door for you to get to know a little bit more about that person. And sometimes a lot of what people will share is what they prioritize, what they spend the most time doing. Um, sometimes people will share what they wish they were able to do more as well. But asking this question is, is a great way to get to know somebody. And then finally, you have all this. You have the name, where do you live, the family, what do you do with your time? And then you're holding it up. Probably at that point, you've had a pretty decent conversation. Maybe it's spaghettied off into other veins, but how can I best pray for you? Not how can I pray for you, because they might say, you can pray for my cousin's mother-in-law's dog who got sick last week. And like, okay, we can pray for those things. But when he, Dennis said, he started asking, how can I best pray for you? People took a second to really think about what mattered and what was going on in their life. They went a little bit deeper and they shared their heart a little bit more with him. He was able to pray more pointed prayers directed towards what was really burdening their heart. So what's your name? Where do you live? Tell me about your family. What do you do with your time? And how can I best pray for you? Pretty awesome questions, right? And with those pictures in our mind, we can build. It's like building a structure in our conversation. The more we practice this, the better we will get at talking or at getting a name and talking. What's another thing we can do in our sharing our lives and practicing? Well, we can make an invitation. We can make an invitation. I'm not talking about just to a church service or a church event. I'm talking about inviting someone to join you to 
with something that you're already doing in your life, a hobby, a class, coffee, a meal, going to a park or the beach. Just like the first church ate meals in their homes together and enjoyed life together, we can invite people into our daily activities as well. Inviting someone to join you in an everyday event is the first step to sharing your life with them. It's the first step to building a relationship, building trust, building experiences and memories with that person or family in your daily life. And along the way, as you are in koinonia with God, you will naturally share what God has done for you, and together you will grow closer to the Lord. If they know the Lord, you'll grow closer to the Lord together. If they don't quite know the Lord, by your testimony of God's goodness in your life, they will be drawn closer to him, and their journey to the Lord will get closer with him as well as you share your life with them as you make an invitation. And that just starts with a question a text, an email, what, however you would invite them. Invite them to join you. We are created to be in relationship and koinonia with God and people. How do we share our lives with them? Well, we prioritize people. We practice relationship basics like getting a name, talking, using the nameplate tool, and making an invitation to somebody to join our lives. And I hope you'll hang in with me with these final minutes. If you're falling asleep, wake up. It's time to wake up because this is the crescendo. We have been building towards this moment. The Holy Spirit has been prepping, I believe, all of your hearts for this moment that we are moving into. As we wrap up this series on Coinus, I hope you are ready for whatever God has for you. The bottom line of Koinonia with God and people boils down to this, intentionality. Intentionality. Relationships don't happen by accident most of the time, or at least deep, dynamic relationships don't happen by accident. And honestly, this entire series is worthless, pointless, and the results impossible unless we make a decision to be intentional in our pursuit of koinonia. In fact, living a life declaring faith as a Christ follower will be dry and absent of purpose without intentionality. You will end up going through the motions, checking off the task list, and moving through life, missing out on so much that God has created you for. And as your pastor and friend, I want you to experience what God has created you for. I want to experience what God has created me for. We need to be intentional in sharing our lives. Why? A new command I give you, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Not only is it a command from God, from Jesus himself, but as Christ followers, we are supposed to model our lives after him. And Jesus led the way and modeled love Love and engaging relationships with God the Father and with others he encountered and shared his life with over and over and over again. Jesus poured out love, and we are commanded to love as he loved. And if we truly desire to be like him, we should want koinonia with others, not just hoping it happens by accident, but by being intentional and putting steps in there towards relationship building and allowing him to move in those relationships. We want to help you 
in this. We want to help you be intentional in building your relationships this year. Some of you are naturals, and this is just what you thrive off of. Um, it comes easier for some than others, and that is great. Keep on doing what you're doing, but press in. Go deeper. Um, keep growing in the area, because I know, like me, you've probably made some mistakes along the way, and you could use the opportunity to keep on growing. But some of you might need help, motivation, and a practical tool to help you be intentional in sharing your life with others. And this morning, we want to provide you with that tool, with a challenge for all of us, every single person in this room. It might be just the thing to help you start being intentional and in practicing koinonia with others in your life. In fact, you have heard this actually before. If you have a really good memory or it really stood out to you, took really great notes back in November when Pastor John, my home church pastor, came. He shared this challenge that he actually gave the home church I, was, I grew up in. And when they took on this challenge, they started to experience deepening relationships with one another and with those outside the church. And, and the Lord started blessing them in the same way that the first church started experiencing blessing, that the Lord added to their number those who are being saved daily. In their life, in the life of that church, that started happening because they started to get it. Now, I'm guessing it wasn't 100% of people, but a good part of people, the Holy Spirit moved within this challenge, and they started to grow in koinonia with God and with one another. And we believe, I believe that we can use, that God wants to use this as well, to challenge and help build strong relationships within and outside of these walls here at Oak Ridge. And that as a result, we too will grow and build new and exciting relationships that we will grow closer with and be blessed by the Lord along the way. So what's this challenge? What is the ending to this series that we are giving to you? And it is this. Who's your one? Who's your one? See, Jesus, one is a huge number. Everyone can find one person, one family. I'll explain in a moment. But Jesus, he talks about the shepherd and the 99 that went astray and how valuable that one sheep was how the shepherd went after it. One is an important number. One is essential. Who is your one? It's good news for those that go, man, I can't reach out to everyone. I can't build relationships with everyone. That's scary, and I'm introverted, and I don't know if... And you start to freeze up. Who's your one? See, the challenge is to pray over and choose one person or family to start building a relationship. Who's your one? Who is in your life that you can choose to focus, to be intentional in building a relationship with? It could be someone within the church that you don't know very well. It could be somebody that's brand new. It could be somebody that's a French person, used to, maybe they're, they're, they haven't been coming as often recently. Maybe it's somebody like that. Maybe it's someone in your very family that's here and you can be a little bit more intentional in building that relationship up. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's a friendship that you have. Maybe a neighbor, a grocery store clerk. Maybe someone that God brought into your life recently. Who is your one? And the challenge is to pray over and choose one person or family to start building that relationship with. And then you do the following. It's a one by one by one challenge. With your one, you commit to the following. 
pray. Pray one time daily for that individual. It doesn't have to be lengthy, but lift that name of that person before the Lord every single day and ask God to help you build a relationship with that person, to open up the door if they don't know the Lord, to start opening and working on their heart to receive him. Pray once a day for that person. Then you do the second one. Once a week, you reach out to your one. You call them, you text them, you email, whatever is the best way to connect with them and just say, hey, was thinking about you this week. How are you doing? Been praying for you. Hey, I know you had this situation last week. How's that going? Hey, just wanted to say hi. Hope things in life are going well. Just a touch. Just to reach out, let them know that you're thinking about them. Doesn't have to be long. Doesn't have to be extensive. But just reach out to your one once a week. And then finally, once a month, or I would say as the Lord leads you, but at least once a month, do an act of kindness for your one. This could be inviting them into your personal space. Invite them into your home for a meal. Maybe if you're not ready for that, maybe you bring them a meal. Maybe you hear that they're having a rough week and you send them a card of encouragement to just try and brighten their week. Maybe you bake some cookies and bring it along. Maybe you invite them to join you for coffee once a month. Do an act of kindness for your one. Well, how long? How long are we doing this challenge for? How long do you, does God want us to do this challenge for? And I think that it's kind of fun that we're asking for 10 weeks. For the next 10 weeks. Choose your one. Does that mean after 10 weeks you don't have to do this again? No. You can still focus on the one, but maybe you go and maybe God brings another one along your path that you will start doing the same thing with. But for 10 weeks, we want to challenge every single person in this room to choose one, one person, one family to reach out to. Why 10 weeks? Well, I like the ones because there's a one in 10. But 10 weeks from today is Easter Sunday. Ten weeks from today is Easter Sunday, and I believe that if we choose one, each one of us in this room, teens included, by the way, students included, if we choose one and we commit to these things, now we will make mistakes. There will be days that we forget to pray. There's grace for that. Get back on it and pray. Choose one. We pray daily. We reach out weekly. We build that relationship and do an act of random kindness and go as the Lord leads. I believe that at the end of 10 weeks, we're going to have a deeper relationship with that person and it will be easier to make that invitation to join us for Easter Sunday. If they're not already a part of another church, if they're not already a part of our church yet, the goal is to grow closer to them and to delight in that relationship, but to delight in sharing the gospel as well. And we would love to give that challenge to you for the next 10 weeks to be doing this and then to invite them for Easter so they could hear the gospel of God. I believe that we can do this. I believe in every single person in this room can commit to one, just one person in your own unique way, in your own personality. God has equipped and called you to be in relationship and he will help you to do, accomplish this. He will help me to accomplish this. And guess what? At the end of 10 weeks, you make that invitation and they don't quite come yet. Guess what? I'm willing to bet you're going to be in a deeper relationship with that person than when you first started. And you'll continue to walk with that person and grow with them. I want to thank you for hanging in there with me. I knew that today was going to go long. But I didn't think it was worth splitting it up because I just felt the Holy Spirit wanted to conclude this 
message today and to keep going. So I'm asking you for one more thing, to hang in for one more thing, and that is this. We want you to bring this person before the Lord. Because Jesus died for the one. He died for your one. And he's calling for you to commit to your one. And we have a, a moment that we want you, in a moment we will be handing out cards. I forgot to bring it down with me. And these cards serve two purposes. One, you're going to see that there's this little flap. It folds over. This is to help you tear it, to separate it from the bottom half. And the small part here, you're going to see that it says, who's your one? It has a name, and it says, for the cross underneath. I'm covering it up because I have my name on there already. So you're going to write the name of your one right now. If you have a name, I'm guessing a lot of you have a name right now you can bring before the Lord. If you don't, take it home, think about it, bring back. This cross will be up next week. And you can bring it back with your envelope and put it up on the cross next week or the week after when God reveals your one. Put it up on the cross. Give it to him. Trust him with it. On the other side, you will see this larger part here. This is for you to keep as a reminder of what, you are, what we are asking, what I believe God is asking us to do and praying for them, reaching out to them, doing an act of kindness for them as a reminder of our word of the year and our verse of the year on there for you to keep in your Bible on your car dash, um, on your mirror at the home, so you remember to do these things, to lift them up before the Lord for the next 10 weeks. Now on this one, if you're going to have it in a kind of public place, maybe put a code name on there or initials. You'll know who it is so that nobody is kind of snooping and, you know, that's, that's between you and the Lord, okay? This is to keep. This is to fill out. And along with the response card, there's going to be a little envelope. You're just going to tear that off as nicely as you can. And the envelope that you get, you're just going to place it inside the envelope. You're going to come. You're say, God, not in my own strength, not by my power, but through your Holy Spirit working in me, I am committing this person to you. I'm committing to trying to build a relationship, build koinonia with this person. And whatever you want to do in that relationship, God, I pray that you would bless it, that you would grow it, that you would deepen that relationship that I have with that person. That God, that if this person doesn't yet know the Lord, if they're not connected in Koinonia with others and they could be connected here at Oak Ridge, God, I commit that to you. You don't have to stay at the cross to say that prayer. You can return to your seat to say that prayer. But as the song plays, we'll pass out the cards we want you to put that name up on the cross as a way of committing to the one and loving the one for the next 10 weeks. I'll go ahead and play the song. And Pastor John and I will be around to pass out the commitment cards. And feel free to come up once you have put your one down. I believe that some of you may need some time to think about your one. And I just want you to know that's okay, and that's good. And I believe that God will reveal that one to you. Some of us need a little bit more time for God to give that name, but for those of you who knew it, thank you for responding. That is awesome, and I believe that God's gonna help you and help us in building our relationships with the ones. For those that will respond, 
at a later time, even after service, maybe you didn't come up during the song and God gives you a name now, anytime, bring it to the cross. We'll have extra forms um, as we go throughout these next 10 weeks for you just to give it to the Lord. Let's ask him to move in these relationships as we close this morning. God, you are so good. And we thank you for how you've created us, that you didn't create us to fend for ourselves or to walk this earth alone, void of purpose to just exist and then die, (laughs) but that you created us with a purpose to be in relationship with you and to be in relationship with one another. So God, help us in these things. Help us to be intentional in those things. God, we anticipate amazing testimonies that come out of these next 10 weeks and beyond. Throughout this next year, as we grow closer to you, as we grow closer to the ones that we're committing to and grow closer to one another, God, help us in our relationships. We look forward to what is going to happen. We commit these names to you. We commit our very lives to you and how you want to call us and equip us and move us in this area, God. God, I pray that you would awaken us, awaken our hearts. If our hearts are not yet beating for this, God, I pray in this moment in Jesus' name that you would awaken our hearts to desire a relationship with you and to desire true relationship with one another's. God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for how you've called us to this this series, to this word of the year, to this purpose of delighting not only in the gospel of God, but our lives as well, and help us along the journey. Help us to have grace for one another for when we slip up, because we're human. We will make mistakes, but God, in your goodness and your mercy and your help and your strength, I believe that our church will grow, grow in our relationship with you and in our relationship with others and that you will bless it in return. So we look forward to that, God. And it's in your wonderful, mighty name I pray, amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this longer service this morning, for hanging in there. I think God will honor that and honor the time that you spent here this morning. If you have response cards and you want to bring them forward afterwards, please do so. Bring them back with you. We'll have extras. We are so excited to see what God does. We want to invite you and remind you of our giving time through our tithes and offering. Um, Today, as you exit with the plates at the doors or online, and um, just remember to give with a joyful heart um, this morning. God will honor that and bless you as you give. We want to thank you for coming today. We want to invite you back this evening for movie night at 5 and enjoy some fellowship together. And then next week for our concert, also the hymn sing on Thursday. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.